everybody, this is Rare On Air, and if you were eavesdropping in our office, this is what you'd hear. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Hunter, editor here at Rare Politics, with my friend Matt Purple, deputy editor, and the time has come. You know, we've gone through a crazy election, who's going to win? Well, we know who won, and he's now actually going to be president, President Donald Trump. You can hack that dash elect off that title. That's what's happening. He's going to be the president, the swearing in. That's what we're looking at, at Matt. We're here in Washington, D.C. It's crazy. The metro is crawling with tourists. Um, I see the left freaking out. They think that the world's going to come to an end when that man raises his hand on Friday. Um, what are you seeing? It's, it's kind of chaotic here in Washington, D.C. Well, I only disagree with a small part of that, and that is that uh, it's not actually that chaotic out there in terms of people running all over the place. I was reading earlier today that the number of hotels and Airbnb rooms that have been rented out for the inauguration is a fraction of what it was when Barack Obama was sworn in. Now, to be, far, to be fair, it's hard to replicate that magic that you had back in 2008. People were legitimately fatigued after eight years of George W. Bush of war and recession. Uh, they wanted a change. Obama was a vessel for that. And so a lot of them people came out en masse to see him. Plus, he was the first African-American president, of course. We can't take that away from him. Um, but, but, you know, it, it is going to be, I think, a bleaker affair, a more somber affair. With Obama, it was about hope. We had achieved a real first. We had elected somebody different. With Trump, we've elected somebody different, too. But he's more uh, an imprint of rage at the establishment, of our anger with what's happening here, rather than our optimism that we can improve it and harness it for our own gain. So I, I, I think it's going to be, you know, the weather tomorrow is supposed to be cloudy, possibly even rainy. Everybody's hoping for, you know, we don't have another William Henry Harrison that the president remembers <laughs> to bring his coat. Um, I, and I think the the mood is going to be largely in line with the skies, which is going to be overcast and which is going to be, well, all right, we just did that now where do we go from here right I, I will say this and maybe this is playing devil's advocate a little bit but, but, but maybe not uh we talk about 2008 and obama being the you know hope and change candidate that was sort of the mood of that inauguration and what a big spectacle it was um for yes it's anti-establishment yes there's anger out there but there are people out there trump supporters who do see hope in this new president um, and I see some of them, some of the, the tourists here, or visitors to, to Washington, D.C., on the metro and elsewhere with their Trump shirts and hats, you know, talking to people, family and friends back home who might have been inclined to be for Trump. A lot of them see Washington, D.C., whether it's Barack Obama, even if you go to George W. Bush, they see hope in that things are actually going to change. They might not even point to specific policies or any ideas they have about politics, but they see that Donald Trump is something completely different and they want something completely different and have hope in that. Um, and that's not to say that the tone and tenor and the overcast and the weather might be something different, completely different from 2008, but depending on who you're talking to, there are people that are hopeful about what's going to go down on Friday. Yeah, and I think it's important not to forget that. And one of the reasons why so many pundits got the election so wrong is that they didn't notice that, which is there are some people out there who are very optimistic about Donald Trump and who are very sanguine on the idea of his presidency, if only because he represents an abrupt departure from the past. He's going to do something different. And even if he is corrupt, even if he has engaged in malfeasance himself, that only gives him a better knowledge of it. It only makes him more able to deal with it. Uh, for a lot of people, just the fact that he is different from the blow-dried, slick politicians that they're used to hearing regurgitate the same talking points on TV, uh, that, that is enough for them. And I think we shouldn't dismiss that and we shouldn't discount that. <clears throat> I would just argue that based on his approval ratings right now, which are historically low, and the approval rating of his transition team, which is also historically low, 
most people don't regard this as being a great new dawn or a renaissance is about to be on it. Uh, they regard it as maybe a necessary transition. Maybe you know they're slightly more optimistic than they were about the continuance of the status quo. Um, but they, they do not see a sunny future going forward. Right. Now, I would say that. And to talk about it, let's talk about a group for a second that definitely doesn't see a sunny future. And I've sort of, uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but in some ways I am. There are many on the left, I don't care if it's television, radio, and print, who I think have an overinflated, a hyperbolic way of looking at what they think is going to come down the pike with President Trump. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was on a panel last night here in Washington, D.C. It was me and a few others, somebody from Cato. Most of the audience was liberal, I believe. Uh, I suspect from some of the reactions, a member of the panel, a number of the panelists were, were liberal. Um, this one person in particular that was on the panel was convinced, and this person was black, she was a lesbian, and she was convinced that Donald Trump was going to be the absolute worst thing for gay and LGBT community and transgender. And I sort of took her to task, like, um, maybe that's true. But also, you know, here's the first guy who's come into office already supporting gay marriage because Barack Obama didn't do that till later. Here's a guy at the Republican convention that was very open and embracing of gay people in a way you wouldn't expect at a Republican convention. Wave the rainbow flag. Right, wave the rainbow flag. Uh, who had Peter Thiel at the Republican convention who is an openly gay man and said so, said, what did he say? I'm proud to be gay, I'm proud to be a Republican. And the audience cheered. That's certainly unheard of. It passed Republican conventions. That might not have happened. And so on and so on. The guys from New York said that Caitlyn Jenner could use the bathroom anywhere she wanted at Trump Tower, which is sort of friendly towards transgender uh, Americans. All these things, and this panelist, this the lean left for sure, which is just like, you're wrong. He's going to go along with the Republican agenda, and it's going to be the most anti-gay regime. That's kind of where a lot of people are on the left, and not just on that issue. That every bad thing that they imagine could possibly happen, they've put into President Donald Trump, and they think that's absolutely going to happen. Now, the right does this. When Barack Obama came in, oh, my God, we're going to go completely socialist, and the world's going to end, and he hates America, and how can you not sit in you know, Jeremiah Wright's church all those years and not hate America? We know he does. And none of that came to fruition, really. I mean, that's not what happened. He's a very conventional, even right. boring liberal. Right. So we're seeing that on the left right now where, oh, President Donald Trump is going to destroy the world. And it never, that never happens. The left is going insane right now. Batty. Yeah. And it's very hard regarding your co-presenter there on that panel. It's very hard to know where to stop sympathizing and where to start condemning because... I started arguing. So. No, no, you started I arguing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the, what I would say to that is that Donald Trump during the presidential campaign said some horrible things and made some horrible Without promises question. regarding Muslims, regarding immigrants, regarding you know many slips of the tongue, many clumsy statements regarding those who disagreed with him, uh, even African Americans to a certain extent. Uh, so yes, he is the most pro-gay Republican presidential candidate in history, arguably the most pro-gay presidential candidate in history. Right. But given the tenor and the pitch that he brought to the campaign and, and the real substance of of what he said, I can understand why many on the left are very concerned here and why they were in the streets right after the election, why they continue to be agitated. On the other hand, the le and the left always does this, and I, I would maintain the left more so than the right. If you look at the instructive example of the George W. Bush presidency, they take a good point and they take legitimate concerns and they mushroom them up into this level of hysteria that ultimately doesn't do anybody any good because they end up embracing people uh, who really are on the fringe. They end up running with every crazy conspiracy theory that's out there. They end up you know, lowering themselves into the fever swamp, even when screaming at other people for being in the fever swamp. 
uh, and they only hurt their own cause. And that's how George W. Bush gets a Republican Congress elected in 2002 and 2004. And that's why people stick with him, uh, because the alternative looks so terrible and so out of touch that they don't want to go with it. And if you're a Democrat, you should be worried about Elizabeth Warren in 2020. You should be worried about Bernie Sanders in 2020. He might do a little bit better than her. But the point is, you've got to spend these next two and four years marshalling a responsible left, a responsible alternative to Donald Trump that isn't behaving like it's living under Russian occupation, and that doesn't say the president is illegitimate, and that doesn't say that all his concerns are nonsense because all the people out there in, in blue-collar America are going to hear that and are going to bristle at it. You've got to start now. And instead, all I've heard is a lot of hysteria, some of it well-grounded, but hysteria nonetheless. Is the left capable of getting outside of that bubble and doing exactly what you're saying, though? And I don't know the answer to that, and I'm inclined to say they're not. Look, uh, they've behaved to this point before Donald Trump won the election. You know, we are above all of this. We are better people because we're more forward-looking. And look at you awful, stupid, racist people who disagree with us. That's sort of their attitude. They would shout down people. You know, the most extreme version of what I'm talking about would be the social justice warriors on college campuses who, because I'm a woman or because I'm a minority, that I'm right and you're wrong because you're white and male. Like, that, that's the extreme end of that. There's a lesser version of that that you see in mainstream sort of liberalism and on the left where we're above it all and if you don't agree with us, you're stupid. Okay, well, somebody just won the presidency of the United States that was in part a reaction to that attitude on the left. People were tired of it. So do you readjust and say, hey, there needs to be dialogue, there needs to be communication between right and left, we need to talk to each other instead of past each other? Or do you double down on all the same old crap that got you here in the first place? I've seen far more doubling down than I've seen uh, eagerness to communicate. Am I wrong? And the right did that after, well, actually I shouldn't quite say that. The right became more ideological after Obama's election, but they kind of switched and went in a more small government direction, a more fiscally conservative direction that I think benefited them in the long run and was a real alternative to Congress, was one of the reasons why they won back control of the House and eventually the Senate. Um, you're right that Democrats are doubling down on everything that they've previously believed and everything that's gotten them into trouble. Identity politics, I think, being the biggest one. And just the imperialism of their message. I mean, just the fact, the pervasiveness, the fact that you can't leave on the television after Fallon without freaking Seth Meyers coming on and berating Donald Trump and his supporters once again. People are tired of this. And the left has got to take a step back and got to puncture its bubble and got to ditch its moral superiority and got to realize that. And that's why the Russia uh, flap is so dangerous because whatever you think of, of Donald Trump's attempted realignment with Russia, and, and I don't necessarily see good things coming out of it, whatever you think role Russia played in, in uh, hacking the election, which we haven't seen anything other than that they you know, stole some of John Podesta's emails through a right. phishing scam and hacked the Democratic National Committee, which I don't think had really any role impact on the race at all. Um, whatever you think about that, Donald Trump is not president because of the Russians. If you blame him, you're only doing it because you're looking for a convenient out, because you don't want to tackle the bigger, more internal problems. You don't want to go out there and fly over country and see what's bothering them and figure out why your message has become incompatible and try to improve it. You'd rather, oh, it was just the Russians, we'll get him next time, if only we can push Vladimir Putin out. Well, first of all, you're not going to do that. And second of all, that completely misses the point. The president is elected by the American electorate, which is suffering right now, which has very deep-rooted problems. 
not the KGP, you know, not the not the uh, the Duma, and not Vladimir Putin. And history tells us that both political parties don't learn anything when their brand has soured. Um, and let's look at it like this. Part of the reason Barack Obama won in 2008 is because people did not want John McCain to be president. Why? They had hope in Barack Obama. He was an inspiring figure on many levels. But at the same time, they saw John McCain as an extension of the George W. Bush years that they rejected. He went out with some of the lowest negative ratings of any president in modern times. By the same token, people were really tired of what Barack Obama was selling. Yes, he has high approval ratings, but they sort of, he was part of the left that talks down to them. And sometimes they can thought he maybe was talking down to them. Hillary Clinton was a worse version of that. I could argue John McCain was the worst version of Bush, too. But Hillary Clinton was not an agent of change, as I think Colin Powell put it when he was talking about the different candidates in one of those secret emails. She wasn't going to flip the script in any way in which people were eager for change in this election. They wanted something different, and they picked Donald Trump, who's a very different figure in many respects from, from Barack Obama, obviously. But going back to what you were saying, when they cry wolf like this, and I do consider it crying wolf, the world's going to end, you know, the sky is falling, and it's next week living under President Donald Trump. It's next month living under President Donald Trump. It's this time next year. And some good things, some bad things might have happened, but none of the cataclysmic, apocalyptic things that the left has told you is going to happen under President Trump happen. What credibility do they have? What credibility do they have right now? We know it's pretty low. It's pretty bad. But once they keep saying and screaming all these things, and even the average American out there who might not have voted for Trump, but they look up and they say, what, what, what the hell is everybody going crazy for? That leaves the left in a worse place than even where they are now. Yeah, it does. And I think especially if you have some sort of economic recovery, and again, I'm not going to attribute any sort of magical properties to the policies that Donald Trump wants to put into place. I think especially if he slaps on any of those tariffs that he keeps going on about, right. he's going to make things much worse. And he needs to be careful with that and stop you know, threatening German car manufacturers. That doesn't do anybody any good. But um, <coughs> I think in terms of many of his economic policies, look, businesses are more confident than they've been in a long time. And the reason is that Donald Trump was elected. Now, normally, something like Donald Trump should be a destabilizing uh, influence. That should make them less confident because they don't know what's going to happen next. Right. They're more confident because he said he's going to get rid of regulations, which are straddling them right now. He says he's going to lower the obscenely high corporate tax, which is a 35%, the third highest in the entire world. And he says that he's going to try to reform Obamacare in a way that's going to make it less expensive. That's engendered some real optimism. And if you do have a bit of it, even a mini one, an investing boom, a business boom, uh, and especially if you're able to clear out some of this, you know, this brush of regulations that are impairing people so much, what if the economy starts surging full speed ahead, or at least moving faster than it is now? Donald Trump takes credit for that because some of his policies helped propel it. The Democrats are still stuck over here banging on about Russia and you know, <laughs> Donald Trump's illegitimacy. And meanwhile, things are getting better, even just a little bit better. But it's palpable enough. Sure. People feel it. Tangible. What if that happens? Uh, you're going to have a Democratic Party that's going to get slammed, I think, in the midterm elections and, and possibly in 2022 because they've just completely missed. They're singing out of the wrong hymn book. They're, they're not of talking to the concerns of average Americans. So uh, Democrats need to, to stop this. They need to get their own economic agenda together. Uh, they need to figure out what they're going to stand for over the next four years, and they need to stop 
you know, with all this apocalyptic rhetoric like your friend was engaging in earlier. Right. That's the only way they're going to survive. And I'm not, I'm not going to bat or hoping that the uh, Democratic Party is going to necessarily survive, though. I do like having two parties, not saying that. But yeah, I mean, they're just in a bad place. Look, it doesn't take much. If business upticks, if, you know, there are more jobs a year from now than there are right now, even if some of that was due to something maybe Barack Obama did, perception is reality, and it's certainly true in politics. And if the perception is out there, even at a minimal level, that under President Donald Trump, life is better, that he has made America great again in some fashion, it's going to make him look good and it's going to make them look bad. What could possibly make them look good? Coming up with alternatives, coming up with better ideas, campaigning on those ideas, looking at 2018, and I just don't see a Democratic Party that's in any position or even thinking in those terms right now. You know, in the 2016 election, the conventional wisdom was, certainly in this D.C. bubble, that Trump was emblematic of how screwed up the Republican Party was. And Hillary Clinton, for all her faults, would win, and that's the way it was going to be. And lo and behold, we're sitting here. Republican Party's in disarray in many ways, but they still, you know, control Congress and obviously the White House. That's the Democratic Party that's probably been in the worst shape it's been in, in a very long time. If you come out and you predict apocalypse and you say that something is going to be indelibly screwed up and then it is not indelibly screwed up, you not only have egg on your face, you give people who are already hopping mad at elites further reason to distrust them. Right. Remember when Brexit happened, everybody said it's going to be the end of the world. A British recession is going to take place immediately. I think the British Treasury said they were going to lose something like 4,000 pounds for household, I think was the figure they, they threw right. out there. It might have been even more. How do you come to I was thinking it was 40,000, right. actually. 40, How do you know 000, that? 40,000 pounds per household, pardon me. Um, Britain's economic growth was the strongest in the world last year, and it accelerated follow, of first world nations, and it accelerated following Brexit. Likewise, here in the United States, Paul Krugman comes out the day after the election and says that, oh, we're going to have a recession. There's going to be a Trump recession. He clarifies it a little bit afterwards. He, he draws it back a little bit. But still, it's all you're doing is, is hooking your name to a prediction that you can't possibly know. Right. And I think that that's why people need to be really care, uh, uh, careful here. It may be that, you know, the economic recovery, if we do see one under Trump or if the Obama one continues, it only helps guys like you and me, you know, young media professionals, those old jobs, those industrial jobs really are gone for good. They're not coming back. Mm -hmm. And so we continue to see a bifurcated economy. You know, we see the old people who got Trump into office end up still being, you know, left further behind than they were before. That might all happen. Trump may not, Trump may be even less popular uh, two years from now than he is today, much less popular. But I do know this, if the Democrats don't develop a suitable alternative, if they don't give people some stuff, some substance and something affirmative, then they are not going to win. I think that's absolutely right. It needs to be based on what Trump actually does, not what you imagine he's going to do. You had that wonderful piece this week, Matt. Uh, everyone should stop pretending they know what Donald Trump's going to do because they don't. Nobody knows. But you know what? We're going to know soon because he's going to be president instead of us just talking about it. And we appreciate y'all being us with us here today. We're going to see what this thing looks like on the other end. So thank you guys. Thanks, guys.